Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. New polling by Palestinians for Palestinians is out, and the results, well, they kind of sort of speak for themselves. CNN attempts to censor anybody critical of the police. Ah, insurrection. Even pharmacy records are apparently not safe from warrantless searches or something like that. I'm Andrew Coppins, and this is Critical Thinking. Good Thursday to you all, folks. I'm going to level with you. First of all, I'm Andrew Coppins, obviously. Um, you can follow me on X on Facebook at The Coppins Show, as you can see on your screen if you're watching on the Rumble page or, or hear me out on this one, watching via, wait for it, X. Yes, at The Coppins Show. So, all of that having been said, we thank you for downloading, rating, reviewing, doing all of that wonderful goodness with the podcast, and we check those out periodically. Uh, if you would love to give us a review, we would love to read it on air. So let us know when you do a review, and uh, we will keep checking all of that. And by we, I, of course, I'm talking about Pat. Pat is still in the background, Pat Oni. I'm enjoying month number, is it two now? Yeah, month number two of his son's uh, life. So uh, that's where we're at with all of that. But we I'm going to level with you from the perspective of I woke up this morning and basically had to completely rewrite the show. And by rewrite it, I mean, what are the, what are the topics? I had one topic very much in mind, but because I'm critically thinking, because I need to be honest, I, I couldn't go there just yet. And I'm talking about the great debate, the, thing that's actually going on in Congress that you should be paying attention to. The Section 702 debate. And the reason why I didn't want to go down this road is because part of the critical thinking process is, is understanding all of the information as best as you possibly can. And I am going to be honest in the 
sense of I absolutely see both sides of the argument, actually all sides of the argument, because there are more than two. There are those who don't like Section 702 but understand the importance of other things. And so a political calculation is being made to move the, and advance the ball forward. I also understand those who are holding it up because they want revision. They want elimination, whatever it might be. I also understand those who understand what Section 702 really is versus what the media, what some in libertarian and right-wing media circles are attempting to tell you it is. And I think I would be doing us a disservice if I didn't have a fully formulated thought on it. And I just don't right now because I'm not sure where I stand. And folks, guess what? As a critical thinker, that's okay. I don't have to have a stand on everything all the time. That's part of the reason why I hope you guys trust that when we're giving you information, we're doing it from a genuine researched opinion of that. Does that mean that we get all the information correct all the time or that we're always going to side on the right side of a debate? No, of course not. But what it means is we are attempting to give you our best effort. And I think that's all you can ask of any show, whether that is a show that has millions of followers and uh, a huge staff to be able to help, or you're a mom and pop podcast like this one is. So that being said, I think I can have something together maybe by tomorrow, probably going to have to be maybe next Tuesday. And we'll just do a single truth or fiction. But I don't know if it's going to be relevant by next Tuesday. So I really need to think through this. Um, I hope that I can formulate something for tomorrow's program. Maybe, if nothing else, I can do a one-off show. We'll see where we're at. But anyway, I wanted you to know that, yes, I am paying attention to it. It is a good debate to be had. It's an important debate to be had. But I'm not willing to just rush in. That's the important part of this. All right, that all out of the way. We have a lot to get into on today's program. And we're going to start with new polling for Palestinians, by Palestinians. And it's exactly, no, not exactly, but mostly what you might think it is. So, um... What ended up going down is the, I believe it is, uh, what do they call it? The Palestinian Center for Policy and Survey Research. This is literally them for the first time putting together polling that is meant for Palestinians and is done by and of Palestinians. So this is the first one done after October 7th. And there are some important findings uh, from this that we need to discuss. So first off, let's go with the high-level uh, findings here. It notes, findings indicate that the ongoing war between Hamas and Israel in the Gaza Strip 
has had a significant impact on a range of internal Palestinian issues and on Palestinian-Israeli relations. The most important of these effects can be summarized in the following changes. Now, this is, these are changes from pre to post October 7th. Number one, support for Hamas has more than tripled in the West Bank compared to three months ago. In the Gaza Strip, support for Hamas increased, but not significantly. Despite the increase in its popularity, the majority in both the West Bank and the Gaza Strip do not support Hamas. It is worth noting that support for Hamas usually rises temporarily during or immediately after a war and then returns to the previous level several months after the end of the war. Number two, support for President Mahmoud Abbas and his Fatah party drops significantly. The same is true for the trust in the Palestinian Authority as a whole, as demand for its dissolution rises to nearly 60%, the highest percentage ever recorded in PSR polling. Demand for Abbas's resignation is rising to around 90%, and even higher in the West Bank. Despite the decline in support for Fatah and Abbas, the most popular Palestinian figure remains Marwan Barghouti, a Fatah leader. Barghouti is still able to beat Hamas's candidate, Ismail Haniyeh, or any other. Now, if I'm butchering these names, I apologize. But, point four, support for armed struggle rises 10 percentage points compared to three months ago, with more than 60% saying it is the best means of ending the Israeli occupation in the West Bank. The percentage um, rises further to close to 70%. Moreover, a majority in the West Bank believes that the formation of armed groups in communities subject to settler attacks is the most effective means of combating settler terrorism against towns and villages in the West Bank. And then we've got point four. Despite the above-mentioned references to the lack of confidence in the seriousness of U.S. and European talk about reviving the two-state solution, and despite the increase in support for armed struggle, support for the two-state solution has not dropped in this poll. To the contrary, support for the solution has increased slightly in both the West Bank and the Gaza Strip. This increase seems to come especially from those who believe that the U.S. and European talk about the two-state solution is indeed seriousness, or is indeed serious. Interesting. Takeaways, right? Very, very interesting on the takeaway front. So basically what it's saying is Hamas support is rising. Fatah support is declining. We hate the settlers, quote unquote. And uh, we need an armed struggle, but we want a two-state solution. Except for you don't because Hamas is your government the Palestinian Authority doesn't believe in a two-state solution. None of them actually believe in a real two-state solution. They only want from the river to the sea. That's it. That's the only quote-unquote state solution that they really actually have advocated for. Again, we've gone over this time in Emorium. There have been no less than five proposals real proposals for a two-state, quote-unquote, solution, including allowing for um, 
Arab or Palestinian control around Jerusalem. Okay? There have been multiple, five at least real serious ones, and they've been rejected every single time out of hand by Abbas, Fatah, the Palestinian Authority, Hamas, whomever's in charge, quote-unquote. But there's a lot to unpack in all of the information in this poll. In fact, let us start with this section. In your view, okay, they asked about the decision to launch the October 7th offensive. In your view, given what happened after it, was Hamas was Hamas's decision to launch its offensive against Israel on 7 October a correct or incorrect one? Now, they also broke it out between the West Bank and Gaza, in case you are not watching, and I would suggest watching because the visual aids are going to be important here. But overall, 72% of the Palestinians believe that um, it was the correct one. Only 22% believe it was incorrect, with 6% kind of don't know, whatever. In the West Bank, this is the interesting part of this study and poll. 82% of the respondents in the West Bank, they believe it to be the correct one, with only 57% in the Gaza Strip believing it to have been correct. Huh? Huh? The people who are directly impacted by this are the ones who have less support Notice how the West Bank has just nearly universal support. The absolute untold story in all of this is the West Bank's absolute hatred of everything that has to do with Israel and the state and its support of military terrorism. Lest we forget that they pay terrorists to kill the Jews anywhere and everywhere whether they blow themselves up and then give the money to the family or they they murder a Jewish individual, they get the money, lest we forget all of that. But they also have some interesting information here because when it comes to humanitarian conditions on the ground, only 44% of Gazans say that they have enough food and water for a day or two with 56% saying that they do not. When they do need food or water, only one-third of Gazans say that they can reach a place where they can have access to assistance, while two-thirds say that they cannot. Now, that's important to understand from this perspective. Who's creating those conditions? If you listen to the oppressed versus oppressor narrative from the left, it, it's all about the cutoff of the supply chain from Israel and they're cutting the electricity, they're cutting the water, they're cutting the food, blah, 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 blah. Humanitarian aid, humanitarian aid, how dare they do these things? And this is also found out in the absolute mythology around some of the war crimes that we're going to talk about in a little bit. But the reality is that just one-third of the quote-unquote power, one, it's even less than that of the water supply, is actually controlled by Israel at all. The vast, 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 vast majority of all the supplies and necessities of life are in the hands of the government there, Hamas. So 
while it's important to understand that two-thirds don't have access or means to get some of these basic necessities, that doesn't mean that it's Israel's fault necessarily. But that's the rub in all of this, is that this is an attempt to make a humanitarian case against Israel. That This is exactly what all of this is. But there are some important details to, to discuss. And one of them is knowing whom supplies what and where it's all coming from. And simply knowing this, the vast majority of all of the necessities are being supplied or controlled, I should say, by Hamas. If they wanted to turn the spigots on, they easily could. Instead, this is the typical Hamas response. We're going to starve you out. We're going to shut off the power. We're going to control the water supply, turn the spigots off. We're also going to make sure that we um, push you in one direction and then shoot you, our fellow Palestinians, when you decide to no longer be human shields for Hamas. But more importantly, we have this one. And in this part of the study, based on what you have heard or seen, do you think international law allows or does not allow for the following measures during war? The first question they asked was taking soldiers prisoners of war. The total, believe, 84% versus 14% allow versus does not allow. The West Bank is somewhere at uh, 82%. Gaza Strip is at around 85%. So very closely aligned. How about taking civilians prisoners of war? 46% of the total group believe that, while 52% believe it does not allow for it. I'll I'll give you a hint. It actually doesn't allow for this. But 54% of those that live in the Gaza Strip believe that it does. How about deliberate bombing of hospitals? 23% say it allows it. 77% say no. Now, here's the rub with that question being asked. Because what is the, the leftist oppressor versus oppressed narrative group the Marxist left wants you to believe that Israel is what? Indiscriminately bombing hospitals and killing innocents because. Not because Hamas is hiding underneath and amongst and in these hospitals and using it as a front, knowing what international law is. Now, they are correct in saying that international law, international war law, doesn't allow for this. The deliberate bombing, that's true, with the caveat of when you're using it as a shield. It sure as hell allows for them to go after you. That, that's the reality here. Now, let's go ahead and continue on, because in the Palestinian war crimes section, um, Cutting water and electricity from the civilian population, only 23% totally believe that uh, that this is allowed, and 76% believe it not to be allowed. Um, it actually is. It actually is. As long as you are given fair warning about it. You can't just unilaterally cut it off. 
what it actually does. How about attacking or killing civilians, women, and children in their own homes? Only 22% say that that's allowed, with that being 32% of the Gazans, with 78% saying it is not allowed. However, what am I famous for saying? The devil is in the details, especially in this case. Because, let's take a look at this. In the current war against Gaza, does Israel, in your view, commit war crimes? 95% of the Palestinians believe that they do. Compared to Hamas, 10%. You might be saying, say what, Andrew? You might be saying, what are you talking about? How is that possible? Have they not seen information about the absolute war crimes being committed? Well, I'm glad that you asked this. Because while 95% think Israel's committed war crimes during the current war, only 10% think Hamas has committed such crimes. 4% think Israel has not committed those crimes, and 89% think Hamas has not committed war crimes. Again, say what? Well, here's the devil in the details. 85% say they have not seen videos shown by international news outlets showing acts committed by Hamas against Israeli civilians, such as the killing of women and children in their homes. Only 14%. 7% in the West Bank and 25% in the Gaza Strip have seen these videos. When asked if Hamas did commit these atrocities, the overwhelming majority said no. And it and did not, no, it did not. And only 7%, 1%, by the way, in the West Bank, with it being 16% in the Gaza Strip, said that Hamas did commit these atrocities. We have an absolute gaslighting of reality going on. And we knew that this existed, but this is the absolute true formation of this. You can see the propaganda. And yes, both sides are engaging in propaganda. That's part of war. Guess what happened in World War II, folks? We engaged in propaganda. Now, we also had an absolute moral obligation given what was going on with the genocide and the Holocaust, right? We absolutely did but we didn't necessarily know about it in the moments that we were going to war. We didn't really find out. We heard rumblings, we rumors and all that stuff. It wasn't until way, 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 way later in prosecuting the war that these became abundantly clear. And also until we actually went in and liberated some of these camps, did we absolutely understand the extent to which this stuff was going on. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. 
And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The point of the matter is we were engaging in propaganda in World War II, just as Hamas and Israel are engaging in propaganda. And sifting through that to find the truth is not an easy, easy thing to do. But these people don't have the truth in front of them. They refuse to even see it when presented to them. Only 1% of people in the West Bank have seen and heard and believe that Hamas was committing atrocities. Now, the other parts of this that are important, and, and I didn't get a chance to screenshot this, but um, again, you can go to pcpsr.org. You can check the sources, okay? I'll, I'll link to it. But they ask, when will the war stop and who's going to win? Half of the public, 45% in the West Bank and 54% in the Gaza Strip, expect to see a ceasefire in Gaza in the upcoming weeks, while a quarter, which is 21% in the West Bank, 32% in the Gaza Strip, Expect the war to continue for weeks and months. One-fifth, 28% in the West Bank and 9% in the Gaza Strip, expect Israel to, quote, unilaterally end the war and begin to withdraw under the pressure from the resistance. Only 2% expect that Hamas and other resistant forces in Gaza will stop the fighting and withdraw to safer areas. While the vast majority of West Bankers, 70%, thinks Hamas will emerge victorious in this war, only half of Gazans think the same. Similarly, while only 1% in the West Bank think Israel will emerge victorious, almost one-third, 31% of Gazans, think that. 14%, 12% in the West Bank, 18% in the Gaza Strip, think that neither one will emerge victorious. I'm going to give you a hint in this one. Um, what is victory? That's important here. Victory, as I see it, for Israel is the absolute and total destruction. You shall never rise, no phoenixing, no nothing ever of Hamas, its leaders, its soldiers, whatever have you. No quarter. Now, they also ask a really important question about what happens after the war, if you will. Who's going to rule Gaza? Well, 64% are opposed to the participation of the Palestinian Authority in meetings with the U.S. With the involvement of the Arab countries, such as Jordan and Egypt, in order to discuss the future of the Gaza Strip after the war stops. 64% say they don't want the Palestinian Authority anywhere near this, yet that's exactly what our super smart vice president is proposing here. 33%. That's 28% in the West Bank and 40% in the Gaza Strip support the Palestinian Authority participation in such meetings. They also asked respondents to speculate about the party that would be in control of the Gaza Strip. Almost two-thirds, 64%, with 73% of the West Bank and 51% of the Gazans, okay, saying it will be Hamas. 11% selected a Palestinian Authority national unity government but without President Mahmoud Abbas. 
7% selected the PA with Abbas, 4% selecting Israel, 3% selecting one or more Arab country, 2% selected a national unity government under Abbas leadership, and 1% selected the UN. They also asked about their own preferences for the party that should be in control in the Gaza Strip after the war. 75% of the West Bank and only 38% in the Gaza Strip selected Hamas, giving you a totality of 60%, because there are more people living in the West Bank than in Gaza. But 16% selected a Palestinian Authority national unity government without Abbas. 7% PA with Abbas, 3% one or more Arab countries, 3% a national unity government under Abbas, and 2% the Israeli army. I also cannot believe this, but after the end of the war, and in the event that the West Bank and Gaza Strip are unified under the control of the Palestinian Authority, would you support or oppose the deployment of an Arab security contingent from countries like Egypt or Jordan in order to provide support for the PA and help it to maintain security? 39% said yes. In the Gaza Strip, in totality, it's only 28%. The point in bringing all of this to you is it's actually, for me, as we take a look at the information that was given to us before the war, it's actually the West Bank that's driving a lot of the support for Hamas within the Gaza Strip. You know, West Bank is supporting Hamas, yet it doesn't actually use Hamas as its government. It's got Mahmoud Abbas as its uh, chieftain, if you will, within the Palestinian Authority. What? If you support it so much. And, and, and the people of Gaza actually are not supportive as much as we thought they would have been of Hamas. I have a very simple question that I wrote down as I was thinking about this. Does the polling actually show a waning support for Hamas within the Gaza Strip? We have been told that, you know, 70-80% support Hamas and that, you know, when they elected Hamas, they elected them by a pretty large majority. Could it be that the people are seeing the reality of what is going on? My answer is no. And we see it in the the absolute inability for the majority of the people of the Gaza Strip to have seen the atrocities that were committed, the people shoved into ovens and burned to death, the people beheaded, the, the stories of the raping and pillaging and disgusting acts of Hamas. There's not a whole lot of people turning on Hamas it turns out that maybe some of the narrative of this vast support for Hamas was overblown by Western media. Maybe that's really the case here. But either way, what we are seeing is that the propaganda of Hamas and its gaslighting, brainwashing control over the populace is still a stranglehold. It's still there. Again, with the inability of people to see these things as bad, and more importantly, their inability to see Hamas as 
as part of the problem. But it's part of the teaching, the propagandizing, the absolute brainwashing going on here. That's the reality that, that that's coming out in this poll. So I wanted you to have this information because it is important. Again, I will link directly to, and you can literally look through all of the details for yourself in the notes to the show. But the show, as they say, must go on. And before we get into the next topic, folks, again, we are heading towards the home stretch of your ability to get things shipped to you in time for Christmas. So if you've got a coffee lover on your hands and you are struggling to figure out a gift for said coffee lover, give them a coffee that they may not have tasted before. Go to coffeebrandcoffee.com, enter the promo code CRITICALTHINKER at checkout for 10% off of that purchase. Fresh roasted small batch coffee put into the bag. Without politics, yours or theirs, and given to you. They care about quality coffee, and that's it, over at coffeebrandcoffee.com. So enter that promo code CRITICALTHINKER at checkout for 10% off of your purchase today. And it also helps them know, guess what? <clears throat> the show is being supported. So that's a, just another way that you can, while you're getting something, give something back to us here at Critical Thinking. All right. <clears throat> now, with that being said, I hinted at CNN uh, apparently subverting speech that's critical of the cops, of the police. Well, there's a caveat to it. It's because it's the Capitol Police and, and insurrection. But Vivek Ramaswamy the other day went on CNN for a town hall, and they're kind of doing a series of these types of town halls. But um, Vivek went on and absolutely obliterated the CNN, MSNBC, left-wing media narrative around January 6th. So let me ask you about something that you said at the debate last week. You used the phrase inside job to describe what happened on January 6th. The next day, Capitol rioter Alan Hosteller uh, highlighted your comments at his sentencing. He is going to prison for 11 years. Hosteller uh, threatened members of Congress. He brought a hatchet, knives, pepper spray, stun batons, tactical gear to the U.S. Capitol. Are you concerned that a convicted felon like that is now promoting your comments in court? So here's my concern, Abby. And I want to tell you guys where I'm at. If you had told me, it's close to three years ago, that January 6, 2021 happened. If you had told me three years ago, back when I was a biotech CEO, not steeped in this world, I was just consuming passive media, but was focused on my world of developing medicines. If you had told me that January 6th was in any way an inside job, the subject of government entrapment, I would have told you that was crazy talk. Fringe conspiracy theory nonsense. I can tell you now, having gone somewhat deep in this, it's not. I mean, the reality is this. We do have a government, first of all, we have to acknowledge that has lied to us systematically over the last several years about the origin of COVID-19, about the Hunter Biden laptop that we were told was false by 51 CIA experts and otherwise, before we now know that it was true. You can go straight down the list, the Trump-Russia disinformation collusion hoax, all of it. Now we come to January 6th. The reality is we know that there were federal law enforcement agents in that field. We don't know how many. 
I think it's Mr. shameful. Ramaswamy, if, if I may finish this answer, well, let me this just. Is, this is really I, I'm going to. I'm going to go ahead and interrupt you here because because you're I know this, that there the establishment were, doesn't approve of this message. I know that there this, were federal we should agents. Be able to talk about this. You're saying that there were federal this is, agents. This is important to talk about. You are saying there were federal agents in the crowd on on January 6th. Yep. There is no evidence that there were federal agents in the crowd on January so, 6th. So why, before Congress, when pressed on what the number was, they didn't say there were none. They just couldn't so say how many there were. So you're saying that there's no, that you have not seen evi any evidence so that we've there seen were, multiple, and so you We've seen multiple informants suggesting that there were. We know people were, we know people were FBI informants who were asked to Is there this. any evidence? May, may, may I just, may I just there, finish let me, this well, and let you me, can come back and question me? Well, let me clarify. I know it's very uncomfortable for you. I'm going to clarify my question I know question this is an uncomfortable issue for many people, but you, we have to do the truth here. I'm going to clarify my question. because This continues on and on and on here. Notice, as soon as Vivek, right, ventures into the talk of the now-released footage of what really was taking place at certain parts of the Capitol while certain things were getting out of hand over, you know, over here, over here, they really weren't, yet the police started firing rubber bullets, tear gas into a relatively or at least, yes, agitated, but still peaceful crowd, still not violent not aggressing, but yes, agitated crowd, they aggressed. They started some of this. As soon as he talks about that, as soon as he talks about informants and the FBI and all this stuff, CNN, boom, no, 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 no. Narrative, insurrection, how dare you? We can't have that on our airwaves. And look, I'm all about journalists pushing back on narratives. I'm all about that that kind of journalism, because I think it's important for people to have to defend their positions, to know their stuff when they are talking about certain things. And again, I'm not saying you have to be 100%. I'm saying you have to know the basics. But Vivek does. But Vivek is correct on this. And as we get more and more of this footage, and hopefully this comes out faster and faster from uh, Speaker Johnson, um, but... The reality is that we're seeing the narratives and the stories and the things that were told in courts of law that doesn't defend and doesn't line up with what's been told to us, right? In those courts of law, we were told this person was at XYZ place at XYZ time, but they really weren't. In fact, they were in a completely different part. Uh, they might have not even been in the actual Capitol, but the, the Congress building across the street oh, wait, we weren't on that capital step. We were on the other one. But I, I was the witness that testified that I was and saw what uh, was being alleged, except for I was not physically there. So how the hell could I have known about that? Do you see the problems that are existing with a lot of these January 6th convictions? Also, a lot of them happening with the abuse of the same code that Jack Smith is attempting to abuse. And we're going to probably see the Supreme Court not only rule or take up and rule, but at least take up the um, the question of presidential immunity along with this abuse of the obstruction charges that a lot, I think it's 300 and some odd have been charged, and uh, it's like over 150 have been convicted of this bogus obstruction, this broad reworking of the U.S. code around obstruction. All right, all of that notwithstanding, the point of the matter is that as we see that narrative begin to be confronted, to begin to be dismantled, the media can't handle it. 
and it's strange bedfellows because now they're suddenly on the side of backing the blue. Now, before we get gone on today's program, I do have one other area that we need to talk about, and this one goes to civil liberties. Well, kind of, sort of, maybe. And we're about to talk about this because there have been a couple of times this week in which I have read a story, taken a look at either libertarian media or right wing, like the Daily Wire, where yesterday where there's a story about Hunter Biden kind of just poo-pooing off his testimony, right? And like, who didn't see that coming? Nobody, especially behind closed doors. He wanted the circus. He wanted the ability to really just kind of control the narrative, and that's just not how this is going to work. But as that was going on, the story suddenly devolves in the first paragraph of the Daily Wire story into a screed about Hunter Biden and the Biden family being terrible parents and grandparents because of their lack of recognition of one of Hunter's um, offspring. What does that have to do with any of this? But similarly, in a different manner, Reason Magazine gave us this. Yes, Reason.com. <clears throat> Major pharmacies give cops pa uh, patient records without a warrant. Lawmakers investigation finds. Three major pharmacy chains admitted to encouraging staff to hand prescription records over to law enforcement without a warrant and without a legal review. This is absolutely dishonest, and I'm about to show you why. Because in the article, a federal inquiry has found that several major pharmacy chains have a policy of turning over customers' pharmacy records to police without a warrant. Bad, bad, bad news, right? The results have sparked concerns from lawmakers about patient privacy, especially as fights over prescription abortion medication continue nationwide. Quote, Americans deserve to have their private medical information protected at the pharmacy counter and a full picture of pharmacies' privacy practices so they can make informed choices about where to get their prescriptions filled. A letter from three members of Congress addressed to the Department of Health and Human Services, HHS, read, quote, Americans' health records deserve the greatest degree of protection available in law, unquote. Now, I, I think all of us would agree with that, right? And... and we're just handing over our pharmaceutical records and and that's really part and parcel of your medical records. We're just handing them over without warrants, without anything? Um, not quite. Also, maybe a little overblown on the uh, scope and scale. Also, um, it affects nothing of real note. And, and we're going to get into this because <clears throat> further on in the article, the letter noted that these demands typically come in the form of a subpoena, an order that doesn't require approval from a judge, unlike a warrant. While pharmacies are not free to simply ignore these subpoenas, the letter argues that, quote, pharmacies can and should insist on a warrant and invite law enforcement agencies to insist that insist on demanding patient medical records with solely a subpoena to go to court to enforce that demand, unquote. 
If pharmacies continued their policies of handing over pharmacy records, the lawmakers also argued that HHS should strengthen regulations to require pharmacies to adopt more stringent procedures. Now, folks, subpoenas. That means they're subpoenaing these for what? They're just doing it for shits and giggles? And this is just happening all the time, all over the place, right? Um, well, guess what? CVS, fewer than 10 of these requests. And all of them came with the force of said subpoena, which apparently the Democratic lawmakers, the three of them in this article, and sending that letter, don't believe is good enough to just, quote-unquote, hand over the records. Now, it is true that CVS, Walgreens, and some others are kind of pressuring their employees to, if they're presented with a subpoena, to hand it over, I I would believe this. No, I will take your subpoena. You can contact our legal counsel, and we'll figure it out from there. That can be the right procedure, and I believe that's where this should always go, is that you, you, you're asking pharmacy techs and uh, pharmacists to know the law, to interpret law, no, nah, no. Nah. Let's let the lawyers handle it. That's the that's the right way to go here. Just simply willy-nilly because of a subpoena. It should make it difficult. I, I agree. But we're talking about CVS, the nation's largest pharmaceutical chain. Doing it 10 times. 10? 10? Out of the... Mm, what, hundreds of millions of prescriptions filled every year, the tens of millions of uh, patients that go there to get medicine filled? We're, ta we're talking about 10. Now, subpoenas just cannot be ignored, right? Now, again, can we make sure that legal counsel looks at these subpoenas? Yes, Absolutely. You bet your sweet bippy. But folks, let's take a step back and focus on some reality here. Because <clears throat> further in the article, it points this out. Thankfully, the number of these requests appears to be fairly small. The letter noted that CVS Health Records uh, CVS Health received fewer than 10 of these requests last year. However, despite the low number of requests, the lawmakers urged HHS to, quote, do much more to protect patient data and push for far more transparency when pharmacy records are disclosed. What more, what, what more transparency? Because if a subpoena is being issued for this type of information, that's likely because there's some sort of a legal proceeding. There's either that or they're investigating a case. And do you get to know that you're part of that investigation or what? Now, I think it would be important to note it that mm, do you just send a form letter and say, hey, by the way, uh, the FBI is looking into your uh, pharmaceutical records. The, the kind of changes the, the nature of investigation, right? That kind of changes the nature of Huh, wink, wink, um, you're a meth dealer and, and maybe you're getting prescriptions or you're um, using CVS as some sort of a farm for um, narcotics. Like, you know, 
oxys or whatever else have you. This is murky territory for me when it comes to the civil liberty and investigative power and the importance of subpoenaing information and doing things correctly while also not tipping them off to, hey, uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, uh, get out of the game, right? The point of the matter is this. Nobody's civil liberties are being violated here. Nobody's. A subpoena is a legal order. It's a legal thing. You can choose to comply or not comply. And if you choose to not comply with subpoenas, there are issues. There are ways of dealing with this. We're talking about this with Hunter Biden, right? Who is playing a game of chicken with a subpoena to closed door, behind closed door testimony in the impeachment inquiry. This has legal force behind it. This is not, yes, a warrant. And would I prefer that over a subpoena? It depends, again, on what's happening in that legal proceeding. Is it a civil case in which you don't get warrants, you get subpoenas for information? It, it, this is the problem. But furthermore, again, my point in all of this is it's happened 10 times at CBS, 10 times, and they're flipping out over civil liberties like this for one time. Uh, you, you, suddenly the left cares about your constitutional Fifth and Fourth Amendment rights? Really? Really, folks? Really? There's literally nothing to see here. Literally nothing. Is it important to maybe be uh, at least watch doggy over your medical records? Absolutely. To understand where they go, who can access them, how they can access them. Absolutely. As a patient, I think it's important to know. But what's being violated here? There's literally nothing to see here. Yet, reason the left is making a mountain out of that molehill. So when you see people saying, well, uh, they're, they're, they're uh, indiscriminately going after our patient records vis-a-vis -vis the pharmacy. No, no, they're not. And this isn't some, if you've got nothing to hide, what do you fear argument? No, this is just simply, they're not violating your rights in any way, shape, or form. Is it about process? Yeah, maybe the process should probably be altered a little bit, but we're talking process over form and function. Those are two different arguments to be made. There's literally nothing to be seen here, yet that's at the top of the page of reason.com. Come on, folks, really? And with that, folks, please be smart, be safe, be kind, make sure you eat all of your meals today. And as always, Matthew 547, and a happy, happy birthday to one Padoni. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.